Welcome to First Formation, a weekday podcast for high church lowlifes like me, Logan Isaac, looking to get the fuck up and pray. This is where Pew Pew HQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hearty folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. A podcast for anyone who cares for soldiers and veterans enough to follow us into the mud and the suck. To hear the good news through grunts and with grunts, in the unity of the Holy Spirit as one church forever and ever. Fall in. Psalm 33, verses 12 through 22. Happy is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom he has chosen as his heritage. The Lord looks down from heaven. He sees all humankind. From where he sits enthroned, he watches all the inhabitants of the earth, he who fashioned the hearts of them all and observes all their deeds. A king is not saved by his great army. A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. The war horse is a vain hope for victory, and by its great might it cannot save. Truly the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfast love, to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and shield. Our heart is glad in him because we trust in his holy name. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us even as we hope in you. Job chapter 21, verses 1 through 16. Then Job answered, Listen carefully to my words, and let this be your consolation. Bear with me, and I will speak. Then after I have spoken, mock on. As for me, is my complaint addressed to mortals? Why should I not be impatient? Look at me, and be appalled, and lay your hand upon my mouth. When I think of it, I am dismayed and shuddering seizes my flesh. Why do the wicked live on, reach old age and grow mighty in power? Their children are established in their presence and their offspring before their eyes. Their houses are safe from fear, and no rod of God is upon them. Their bull breeds without fail, and their calves, their cow calves, and never miscarries. They send out their little ones like a flock, and the children dance around. They sing to the tambourine and the lyre and rejoice in the sound of the pipe. They spend their days in prosperity, and in peace they go down to Sheol. They say to God, Leave us alone. We do not desire to know your ways. What is the Almighty that we should serve him, and what profit do we get if we pray to him? Is not their prosperity indeed their own achievement? The plans of the wicked are repugnant to me. Romans chapter 9 Verses 1 through 9. I'm speaking the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience confirms it by the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart, for I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my own people, my kindred according to the flesh. They are Israelites, and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. To them belong the patriarchs, and from them, according to the flesh, comes the Messiah, who is over all. God blessed forever. Amen. It is not as though the word of God had failed, for not all Israelites truly belong to Israel, and not all of Abraham's children are his true descendants. But it is through Isaac that descendants shall be named for you. This means that it is not the children of the flesh who are the children of God, 
but the children of the promise are counted as descendants. For this is what the promise said, About this time I will return and Sarah shall have a son. Good morning and welcome to the ninth Thursday after Pentecost. Uh, We've had uh, several uh, soldier saints to cover the last several days and we haven't been reading or we haven't been uh, reflecting on the readings as much. Um, this morning, we return to Job, uh, kind of late in Job, t- 21st chapter, after a new psalm, Psalm 33, and then we conclude with Romans 9, and Romans and Job uh, both seem to talk about uh, this uh, being cut off from God and being separated from God um, because of what people do. And Job is a lament. It's basically this extended version of saying life isn't fair. Um, and keep in mind, Job never lost faith. Um, Job never, you know, looked across what had happened to him and all these things that he knew and what he's saying here and said, well, you know, screw God. And every people were encouraging him to do so. Um, he's saying that the evil people prosper and they achieve all this stuff on earth, and then they go down to Sheol. Um, they go down into the earth, and you know they aren't punished for their wickedness and for their evil deeds. Um, things seem to continue to happen for them. You know, their <clears throat> their cows give birth without miscarriage. Um, their children dance around and sing to the tambourine and the lyre, and nothing ever happens. They're they're distinct. They they. They are not um, a part of God's kingdom and God's family. Um, they do evil things and nothing nothing ever comes of it. Um, and in Paul's letter to the Romans, it's not exactly the same, but he is talking about being cut off. Um, and he's talking about his people, by which he means uh, Israelites and Hebrews. Um, and yet he's, in, he's reminding the church in Rome, that they are not cut off. And he hasn't been cut off from them. Um, in fact, you know, they have given birth to this this thing that we are. Um, the covenants, the law, the worship, the promises, the patriarchs, all of them belong to Israel, even the Messiah, uh, according to the flesh. The Messiah comes through the family line uh, of Israel so they aren't actually cut off even though some new Christians may think that they are and he goes on to remind them that it isn't that the word of God has failed Um, it isn't that Israel has uh, done something wrong overall Um, uh, rather uh, that it's by faith uh, not just by flesh and not just by works, uh, that the church grows. Um, that, you know, we can't always tell by outward appearance uh, if someone has faith. Um, I mean, the, the writer of the letters of John will dispute that. And the uh, letter of James, and Paul has a different theology. You know, it's it's much more... Um, cut and dry that you know you can be saved by faith um, 
that the, you know, he's trying to explain to a bunch of Gentiles who are entering this thing, which still is on the face, a Jewish thing. Um, all of the apostles are Jewish. Most of the early followers of Jesus are Jewish. Um, and then Paul is trying to make sense of the Jewishness of this thing, of God and God's family and the kingdom of God, um, to a, an increasingly Gentile audience. It doesn't know what it means. Um, that would have been understood to be outside the fold by Israel. So these are the people who have, who have been looked at as being outside the fold, being part of the nations and possibly at, at, at an extreme of being, you know, wicked people, and yet here they are being welcomed into this thing that had been so distinct from them. Um, it's not here, but elsewhere Paul talks about this dividing wall, um, that it's being broken down, that Christ, that's the, the miracle of Christ, that um, the gap between Gentile and Jew is closing, or rather, well, it is closing, but it's it's being broken apart, essentially. Um, and it makes me think of the civilian-military divide, um, of this distinction that we make, um, a rather unfortunate distinction between civilian and soldier. Um, since the 70s, we've had an all-volunteer force, and that's created um, problems, um, because it's not every normal citizen that will likely join the military. It's typically um, people with uh, less economic status, less social status, um, being led by families that have increasingly become isolated from civilian families that, that join up because their their families are just military officers. So you have um, this kind of isolated um commission class, and then you have a large bulk of the military being made up of people who will join the military because of what it offers, typically college money, stability, uh, you know, an escape from their own local area. Um, and so this military-civilian divide, we see a, a lot of breaks. So we put them up on pedestals or we villainize them for... Um, you know, killing innocent civilians, even though maybe they didn't even deploy this um, distinction between soldier and civilian, which shouldn't really, and when we think about it, doesn't really exist. Um, anybody, given certain circumstances, would join the military. Anybody, given the right circumstances, would deploy to war and make split-second decisions that they may later regret. Um, and I've, sometimes I've written about that in terms of like the, the passion when um, the mob yells, crucify, crucify, crucify. In our minds, we sometimes think, oh, well, that wouldn't be us. Yes, it would. Um, the same people yell, crucify, 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 um, are the ones who yell, kill, kill, kill on the bayonet range. Anybody's capable of it. Um, and we need to remember that military and civilian is not so, you know, dissimilar. Um, it's the, the idea that we're other that fuels either this, this veneration or this villainization. Um, we want to believe that we're better 
uh, or worse than that. Um, we don't want to believe that we are, in fact, um, you know, not so different, um, civilians and military. Um, and it's not that one is cut off from God. It's not that the military is God's hand of judgment or something, and that civilians are like, you know, tolerated or something, less cool. Um, and it's not that the military is worse than civilian groups. Um, it's not that um, the military is inherently evil, that um, by joining the military you inherently um, make some moral compromise, um, as though you know our whole lives aren't made up of moral compromises. And so hopefully this morning this reading uh, helps us think about how we other uh, each other, civilian and soldier, and how um, that dividing wall, that that gap between military and civilian um, doesn't serve a healthy function and, in fact, should be broken down. Truce, a poem by Paul Muldoon, a World War I veteran. It begins with one or two soldiers, and one or two following, with hampers over their shoulders. They might be off windfowling. As they would another Christmas day, so gingerly they pick their steps. No one seems sure of what to do. All stops when one stops. A fire gets lit. Some spread their greatcoats on the frozen ground. Polish vodka, fruit, and bread are broken out and passed around. The air of an old German song. The rules of patience are the secrets they'll share before long. They draw on their their last cigarettes. As Friday night lovers, when it's over, might get up from their mattresses to congratulate each other and exchange names and addresses. Thank you for falling into First Formation where PPUHQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hardy folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. If you like what you've heard, I hope you'll consider participating in one of the three following ways. First, you can support the podcast with a monthly contribution at anchor.fm slash firstformation slash support. You can sponsor morning prayer for Pew Pew people with as little as a dollar a month, and you can cancel at any time if I piss you off. Second, you can become a co-host by recording a weekday lectionary reading yourself and sending it to me to be included in an episode of your choosing. Instructions for co-hosts will be provided to you directly, and you don't have to be a grunt to participate in first formation in this or any way. Finally, and most importantly, you can send me your prayer requests of a minute or less with a recording app of your choice. Prayers may be added to a morning prayer episode, aired anonymously, if you wish, or kept private for me to pray for off-air. So there you have it, three ways to participate in morning prayers for pew-pew people. I hope you'll continue to listen in and maybe even consider participating yourself. This has been Logan Isaac, always faithful, always family. Semper Familia.